Oh, good morning, good morning. Please grab a seat. Good morning. You're hilarious, Sam. I can sit and listen to you half the day, honestly. I don't know what's about to come out of your mouth. I'm always a little frightened but excited. I love it. I love it. It's just, this is incredible. It was, it was. And I love how you tied Pastor Tim. He, we talked about money, now it's about sex, and now it's money. That's Tim. That's, this is Tim. If he, I, I was here for the, for the, for the marriage and uh, one, and, and Pastor Sam was giving us lessons. I was being learned. I was being schooled about how to read the Song of Solomon's. It's excellent. And how to put it into practice was even better. Thank you, Pastor Sam. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. It is so good to always be here with family. You really are family. And uh, I love you guys. You're looking fantastic. Look at you. Just let me take a good look. Excellent. Just excellent. To all those who don't know me, I, I'm, my name is George. Uh, I'm an Arab. But trust me, you're safe. You'll be okay. You're safe. I'm a good Arab. Okay. Uh, I don't hold anything against white people. Or democracy. Or capitalism. I'm all good with that. Okay. You guys, for, the, for those who are, I'm just scanning the room, seeing all the ones I don't know. This is awesome. So good. We're going to have a good morning. Uh, yes, we're going to have a very good morning. I'm just looking at the clock. I'm really surprised that this pulpit has made it the whole time, Sam. Out of everything you've changed, you've kept this. What happened? If I accidentally break it, would that be an excuse? Can it blame Mike, blame me? Is that okay? All right. Halfway through the message, I'll trip over. Don't be scared. I'll, make, I'll, I'll trip over, I'll make sure it comes off, and so I'll, I'll just say, Pastor Mike, it was me, my bad. I got really excited, hands in, I've got to preach with my hands, bang, and it's all gone. All right, so if that happens, just work with me, okay, work with me. Just go, if, if I drop it, I want you all to go, oh, ready, let's practice. One, two, three, excellent. Are you recording? Excellent, start recording. This is brilliant. <laughs> uh, uh, Belinda, can you please make sure your child is not in the way of the pulpit? I don't want to end up in jail. Okay, please. Please. Well, let us pray. <laughs> Father, I just thank you that as we come and speak your word today, we love your word because your word is a life, it is a light, it is hope, and it is, it is unbelievably destiny changing and rearranging. We thank you, God, that let your words come out today and achieve exactly what they're meant to achieve in your name. Amen. Well, church, as you know, we're, we're doing the, uh, the series called We the Church. Great start to the year doing this message called We the Church because We the Church talks about trying to find out who we really are. You know, what? one of the things I've realized is when you go to a gym and you might, pa- sorry, my bad. I just saw my spiritual father here, Vic. Hello, Vic. Hello, Kerry. How are you? This guy has spoken into my life for so many years. He's my spiritual dad. I love this man. I want to honor you. And thank you for everything you've done in my life. I just love you so much. So thank you so much for that. I just want to honor you. I just saw him sitting there, looking all debonair, handsome. I I know you're from England, but you're still handsome. You're still handsome. We'll forget about the Crusades, okay? Um, so, So when you go to a gym, and to you or someone like me, we might walk into the gym to buy a bottle of water. I don't know what you're doing in there. But as you walk in the gym, you're not shocked to look at the walls and to see uh, pictures of people who look really buff. It's not a shocking thing to see that. 
At a gym, you, you don't walk over to the gym owner and call him over and say, look, I need to put a complaint in. The complaint is that these, these photos are, are offensive. Th- these photos of this guy doing the gym and doing squats and this, this girl doing this, one of the weight sessions looks offensive. I, I don't look like that, so it's offensive. It's actually almost bigotry and a little bit intolerant. A gym owner will look at you and go, listen here, give me whack. That's what you come to the gym for. You see, the beauty of those photos is this. This is why they put them up, right? They put them up because that's who, they're trying to show you who you really are. Some of you are sort of going, no, I've looked at myself in the mirror this morning. That's not who I really am. Yeah, yes, this is who you really are because you have the same muscle fibers, the same bone structure, the same everything that that person has. The only difference between you and them or me and them is McDonald's. That's the only difference. Lack of movement and bad food. But we, uh, that is who I am. And, and this is the beauty of what the gym does to you. It doesn't say this is who you can be. It shows you this is who you are. You speak to any personal trainer now, they will tell you this is who you are. That they no longer, they've gone around the psychology. If you work hard, you can be this. This is who you are. Let's bring that out in you. And that is such a deep truth to us. You cannot be what God has called you to be unless you know who you really are. You can't be who God's called you to be until you know who, re- who you really are. If you're a fast runner and you've never really been pushed to your, your potential of who you really are, someone who's got fast-moving muscle fibers, you know, the quick muscle fibers that, that fire quickly, if you've never used them properly, but you are a fast runner, you will never become a sprinter as God has designed you to be because no one's pushed you. No one's shown you. You haven't looked inside and said, maybe I'm a good runner. There's so many different ways you can look at it. And most of us, or a lot of us, I should say, uh, uh, sit around our lives and we shape our lives by the job we do, by the circumstances of our lives. And I understand these things, by the difficulty of what happens around us. And, and we box ourselves into those things. But what, what I want to do for you today is I'm going to show you who you really are. I want to show you who you really are so you understand why you do the things you do and why God has called you to do the things that you do. Okay? Turn with me to Revelations. Revelations chapter 19. We're going to go straight to the back of the book. Excellent placement of the cable, Pastor Sam. I can trip over this cable. Then it'll be a workplace health and safety. Does that mean I can take time off if I hurt my leg? Hey, hey, I can join Josh. Has he really gone to the hospital? Is he gone? <laughs> Such a youth pastor. I love it. I love it. Revelations 19 and verse 6. Th- listen to this. This is John speaking. John writing this down after having a vision. He's saying, Then I, John, heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd, or the roar of mighty ocean waves, or the crash of loud thunder. See, I, I, I love this, right? L- listen to this. John doesn't know how to even describe what he's hearing. He's using three different types of noises, natural noises, to try and work out what it is. Literally, he's trying to go, well, well, it sounds like a vast crowd. I've been in an auditorium before. I've been in the Colosseum. It sounds like, a, uh, it sounds like the mighty ocean when it's roaring, when it's angry. Uh, it sounds like the loud thunder. I've heard loud thunder. Well, actually, it sounds like, oh, I don't know, just one of those or all of those. Imagine what that sound is like. I mean, who's been like a Hillsong Conference where there's 20,000 people uh, uh, worshiping God and clapping? I mean, it sounds amazing. Imagine what this sounds like. 
the whole host of heaven saying something, yelling something out, praising something. And listen to what they're saying. It says, they're saying, praise the Lord. How do you even get, I mean, it sounds so clear. He knows what they're saying. But that sound, praise the Lord for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to Him. Okay, what are they giving honor for? For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb and His bride has prepared herself. See, they're giving God glory for two things. The time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb and the bride has prepared herself. Church, I'm gonna tell you, that's who you are. You are the bride of Christ. Understand this. Just because you come to church doesn't make you the bride, doesn't make you the church. The church is someone who is walks with Jesus and does as Jesus commands. That's the church. That's the bride of Christ. And so here are the heavenly hosts so uproar, so excited about what's happening. And when you read it, it's because the wedding feast of the Lamb is happening. And I'll talk about that in a moment. But the bride has prepared herself. Interesting choice of words. Not the bride is coming. Not the bride looks great. But the bride is prepared herself. She is ready. She is ready. You see, one of the things that, um, that you look at when you look at the, uh, a bride uh, my wife does a lot of weddings. She's a hairdresser and makeup artist. And, uh, and so she does a lot of weddings. And some, some, some brides, you know, uh, God's bridezillas. I was going to say Godzillas. Some of them are like that. No, no one here, no one here. And, and these, these brides really want something that's special for the day. I've never heard my wife come in back from doing a wedding and say, you know what? She just wanted to be ugly. What she ordered was, can I be the ugliest I've ever been in my entire life today, please. Can I do that? Uh, even when they say the natural look, yeah, can we have the natural look, please? That's harder than putting on full makeup, right, to get the natural look. And all the girls who do makeup know that. Yeah, it's not as easy as what you think. There's more layers. And so the natural look takes a lot of time to get. It's not as simple. I've never heard a bride say, I want to wear, wear my tracky dacks. Some of you may feel like doing that. But I want to wear my tracky dacks, a really old t-shirt that I sleep in, uh, you know, thongs, my hair out, I don't care, bun, in a bun, who cares? And I'll just rock up to the church. That's not how brides work. The bride does what? She prepares herself. She prepares herself so much that out of every other day in her life, she will not prepare herself as much as her wedding day. I don't think there are many other times in a bride's life where she puts on a $14 million dress. I've got three daughters. I'm telling you, they're going to be recycling. $14 million. <laughs> Joking, joking. They put on all of this makeup. I mean, what my wife charges is a joke. I'm telling you what, she's doing my kids' makeup. I'm not paying a makeup artist to do that. It is unbelievable what they will pay for the wedding day. The moment you say it's a wedding, Pastor Carolina, oh yeah, can I have this cake? Oh, what's it for? It's for my birthday. Yeah, it's 40 bucks. Can I have the exact same cake? What's it for? Wedding, $1,800. <laughs> what is happening? And so they, so they, so this, but they'll pay it. What do you want? You want 20 grand for the venue? <laughs> no worries. Think about what you just did. You're paying $20,000 for chairs, carpet, and a table, and some really small food at this wedding. Any other day, you feel like you're being ripped off. 
But at a wedding, the bride is so prepared. It is the day, the day she's been dreaming of as a little girl. The day that she just wants to get to that place with the love of her life. To be able to give herself, be prepared fully. Does want every little checklist done, tick, 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 all done. But that, what, that's what it's like. You see, as, as I read through in Revelation 3, it says this, Jesus speaking to the churches, he says that he will put the church, they will sit with him in his throne, just like he sat on the Father's throne when he became victorious. This is a ludicrous saying in Revelation 3.21. It's a ludicrous saying. What, what, do you say? what, what did you say, Jesus? You said that you're going to put the church, the bride, on the throne with you, when we become victorious, just like when you became victorious at the cross, you sat at your throne, at the throne with God the Father. This is amazing that the God above all gods is happy to take the bride, you and I, onto the throne. This is, this is um, see, we're, I'm not, we're not talking about an earthly king. If, if, if the wood duck king Abdullah from, from Saudi Arabia called you today and said, you're going to come take the throne of Saudi Arabia, after you've had to go to the toilet and sort of go, oh my goodness, I'm so nervous right now. What does he mean? And you think it's a prank call, but it actually happens and he puts you on the throne and you can do whatever you want with all of the wealth of Saudi Arabia. You can buy countries. Actually, you probably own most of the countries already, but with the oil. But you can do whatever you want with all that finance. What do you think is going to happen to you? What, what do you all of a sudden, you think, I've got to make decisions. I can do whatever. I've got the wealth of the world. I've got the power of the world in my hands. That's nothing in comparison to the kingdom and the authority and the rulership of the universe that our God has. So when I, when I read something like that, it blows my mind that God doesn't even think it big to say, I'm going to put you on the throne with me. You're heirs to the throne. That's huge. But that's who you and I are. Let's carry on. In Revelations 8, uh, in Revelations 19, verse 8, let's move on to verse 8. We just read 6 and 7. It says this, John is saying this, She, the bride, has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. Whew. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. Man, this is, this is incredible. We're going to get fine white linen. Mm -hmm. You're going to look sharp. You're going to look snazzy. You're going to look incredible. And then, and then the rest of the verse happens. Then it tells you what the fine white linen is. It represents the good deeds of God's holy people. Uh-oh. Let me answer that question for you, Pastor Sam. God is not a communist. When we read that passage, we think to ourselves, that everyone gets the same fine white linen. No, my friend. Everyone gets the same crown. No, my friend. Everyone gets the same mansion. No, my friend. You see, when Jesus came and gave his life for the world, and when you accept Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior, you take on his righteousness, and therefore you are made right with God. As far as God's concerned, he looks at you through Jesus and sees a clean, washed, righteous person. That means no matter what you do after that, listen to me very carefully, you are cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. That doesn't mean you can act like an idiot. Otherwise, did you really know the Lord? Just, and Paul says it very clearly. 
Just because there is lots of grace, does that mean we can sin? No. Let me paraphrase. You don't treat grace like a filthy rag where you wash yourself with every time you want and just go, ha, I can do whatever I want. No. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It enables you to live a holy, just, without sin life. But, Jesus, but God the Father looks at you through Jesus and sees a clean and washed person. But this is not what, this scripture, is, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about a linen given to you that you are your good deeds while you're on the planet as, a, as the bride of Christ. Okay, some of you don't believe me a little bit. You need a bit more convincing. Come with me to 2 Corinthians. I want to show you, look, I'll show you how subtly Paul puts it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says this, For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. Uh, let me just stop there for a minute. Uh, you hear what I said before, that we're going to get to the marriage feast of the Lamb, which means uh, at some stage, the church, the bride is going to be taken off the planet. They're going to be, we're going to be up in heaven while all the stuff is happening on earth, all the tribulation stuff is happening. We're going to be up in heaven, and there's going to be a marriage feast. This is the moment where we get married to Christ. See, right now we are betrothed to Him. We are His bride. He is our groom. We are not His wife. He is not our husband yet. We are his bride, he is our bridegroom. And so we, we are betrothed to him, but at this moment is when, when the marriage feast happens. And at that moment is something called the judgment seat of Christ. It's not judgment of whether you're going to make eternity or not. That's already determined because of what Jesus did. The judgment seat is like an awards night. It's like a night where, where they call you out, George, come on out. <laughs> you know all this stuff you heard about, that they're going to play a big DVD or from whatever era you came from. They're going to play a beta VHS video whatever era you came from, you know. They're going to play an MP3. Now it's, they're going to play Netflix. That's the late. And it's going to be all of the bad things you did in life. No, my friend, no, no, that's rubbish. That's not what's going to happen. What's going to happen is Christ is going to talk about at the judgment seat and Christ is going to say, these are all the wonderful things you've done. Here is the particular robe you're going to get. Here are the crowns you're going to get. Because you know, there's different crowns, right? But for those who are eager, eagerly awaiting the coming of Jesus, there's a crown of righteousness, for those who are, for, for different types of things that you do in life, there are different crowns that you get and you'll get given those crowns if you earn them and you'll get a different type of home and a different type and you'll get your rewards and awards that you, because of what you did on the planet. That's at the judgment seat of Christ. But, and so Paul's saying we're all standing before him to be judged and it says this, we will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil uh -oh, we have done in this earthly body. Once again, let me make it clear. When he says evil, he's not talking about evil deeds, therefore you're going to depart from Jesus. What he means is this. There are some deeds that we do that are not good in God's eyes that we think are good. Let me explain this. When Eve ate of the apple, or of the tree, sorry, of, of the fruit, it was the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It wasn't just the tree of the knowledge of evil. There is something that we classify as good that is not good in God's eyes. Good outside of God is missing the mark. This is why humanity thinks it can get to heaven by doing good deeds. No, my friend. The only way you get to the Father is through Jesus. And goodness, what we classify in our earthly mind as good, isn't necessarily goodness in God's eyes. A little bit confusing. It's like, okay, what, what are you saying? What, 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 are you, what is good? Quickly, write it down. What is it? Quickly, give me a list. I need a list. 
Because that's what some of us are. Give me a list, God. Let me check off this list. Let me tell you the difference. If you give someone food to eat because they're hungry outside of Jesus, is that good in God's eyes? Let's just keep that, let's let that simmer for a little bit. My time's almost up, so I can run out of here real quick. If you give someone clothes to wear because they're cold outside of the Lord, is that good in God's eyes? You see, we have got this type of thinking of goodness that's outside God because our humanity wants us to believe that we can be good outside of God. But goodness outside of God, listen to me, is evil in God's eyes. Because what is the use of giving someone water and food if they're going all the way to hell? What is the use if I'm not bringing life abundantly, but just giving life to their body, and then in eternity they look at me and said, you gave me water, you gave me blankets, but you never talked to me about Jesus, and now I'm here. What's your answer? I thought it was good. No, my friend. Outside of Jesus, there is no goodness. It's just humanity. And this is what Paul is saying. We, we, we sometimes don't like these parts about God. We try to hide them like our drunk father that we don't want our friends to know about. You know, well, we, don't, we, we don't know how to explain these things about God, so let's not look at them. No, no, my friend. No, no, this is the amazing, it's God. Now, now listen, this is why humanity uh, the Bible uh, tells us, uh, Paul says it very clearly, there are three things that humanity denies at the end times. The creation, the flood, and the coming judgment. They're the three things that humanity will deny. Paul was saying that. The reason is, because if you can deny creation, you can deny that he owns everything, therefore owns you and me. If you can deny the flood, you can deny that, well, because he owns everything, he can do whatever he wants with it, because it's his. And then if you deny the coming judgment, you can deny the fact that I'm going to have to stand up to, in trial uh, for all the things I've done and said in my life. The very things that our world does today are the very things that Paul was talking about. We want to throw off these shackles of having a creator. No, my friend, they're not shackles. They are boundaries that lead you to the throne room of God and into eternity, a great eternity in heaven. That's what they are. Listen, freedom without boundaries is chaos. It's not freedom. Trust me, if each one of you decided to do whatever you felt, whenever you felt, think about the actions and how many of us would be in jail. But he says here that we will be judged for good and evil works which means they're going to go, here you go, all of the things that you've done outside of Jesus are going to be set on a pile over here and a fire is going to hit them and what's going to be left? Ash. But all the things you've done with Jesus, if you gave uh, someone water or clothing or went and visited them in hospital in Jesus' name, which means with the authority and the love of Jesus Christ in you, that fire, that fire of God will burn it and not ash will come up, but silver and gold and gems will appear. And those are the things that will be put on your crown. I mean, it's quite amazing when you think of it. It's quite amazing. The Bible says that some people are going to get to heaven like as if they're running out the flames, licking at their heels. You see, 
we, we, we think to ourselves, well, well, as long as I do the good deeds, humanity, as long as I'm good, then why would a loving God not accept me? Because it's not our goodness, it's His goodness and loving kindness that leads us to repentance, not us, not us. And so here's God, here's, here's Paul trying to, try, or John trying to teach us that what we need to do is we need to understand that it's His goodness we need. And we are His bride. Now, if you've noticed anything about a bride, right, she can be quite irritating when you're talking to her, getting close to the wedding day. What does a bride talk about when you get close to the wedding day? The day, the groom, how wonderful he is, how they met, how amazing he is as a man. He's just awesome. We met like this. He gave me flowers. Look at this rock. Look at this amazing clothes he's given me. Look at the stuff he's bought for me. We've gone on holidays, not together with friends before we're married. See, this is the incredible thing about Jesus, right? Jesus, who is betrothed to you right now, will not sleep with you before the wedding day. Some of you have gone, okay, too far. That's too far. You've gone too far. We're engaged to Jesus. We're not married. Which means right now, as wonderful as it is to experience a closeness with the Lord on earth, as beautiful as it is when you close that door in your prayer closet, in your room, and you get on your knees and you're worshiping God and the feeling of love and, and wonderful thing, connection that you can have with God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit on earth, it, that is nothing compared to the intimacy we're going to have with God the Father into eternity. As a matter of fact, that intimacy here on the planet would be akin to a gauge couple kissing, cuddling, and holding hands. That's what it's akin to. That shows you how beautiful the connection and the intimacy we're going to have with God into eternity, our bridegroom. And so, so he's trying to say, you, you know, you are the bride. You are the bride. Remember this. Now, now understand, in our Western world, and I've said this before, uh, the, the groom stands at the altar, and all of us at the altar, now remember when we did the, we did the little, <gasps> remember that? Remember that? Okay, no, I, I won't smash the pulpit today. But when the bride comes in, what do most people do? Exactly. The bride walks in. We're all bated breath, watching, waiting for her to come in. She comes in with her father or a, or a male figure and brings her down the aisle and the groom is crying. <laughs> no matter how big and burly he is and, and you know, how many tats he's got. And she's coming down the aisle and then he goes over and grabs her. But you do realize that it's totally the opposite than the, what the Western world says with Jesus. The groom would come. He would pay a price for the bride and tell her to get ready. I'm going to go prepare the house. And he would go to his father's house and prepare a home. And she would not know exactly when he was going to return. She knew somewhat, it's around about a year from now he's going to return. But he would go and prepare the house, not knowing exactly when he's going to return or she wouldn't know. And, and she's the one that's waiting with bated breath for the groom. She would get the oil ready in case he came at night for the lamps. Remember that parable? She would wait for him, and the moment he came, the bride, the groom's coming. They would all run out and greet him. Yes! This is how we're meant to be as the bride. We are waiting with bated breath for our Savior to come. We need to be talking about our God constantly. He is our bridegroom. He is amazing. We love Him because of who He is and what He's done and what He's dressed us with and His righteousness, what, the love that He's given us, the rock. You think that you think you've got a rock. You wait till the rock that Jesus gives you. It's called satin, made out of diamonds. And she comes. 
and waits for Him. And you might say, well, what are the deeds, George? Let me read a couple out for you. The deeds that we do because of the love for Jesus. We don't do these deeds to get Jesus. We do these deeds because we love Jesus, our bridegroom. Listen, we imitate Him. We dwell on what is right and pure. We be joyful. We pray always. We're kind. We're generous. We acknowledge God in everything that we do. We serve Him. We make disciples. We spread the gospel on and on. If you want to make a list, if that's the type of person you are, just read the gospels. Write down everything that Jesus did. Start there. Don't even read the rest of the New Testament. Write a list down. Read it. But you don't have to write a list down. Just start with what Jesus did. Then when you get bored of that, Read Paul's writings and write them lists down. Trust me. Trust me. There are many things that we can do through the love of Jesus that will be amazing. If I can have the keyboard up, please. These are the things. This is why we do them. We do them because we love the Lord. And, and understand, church, that none of this is to say, some of us might be thinking, you're going, oh my goodness, I'm way out. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if I'm doing these deeds. I don't know what I'm doing. But the good news for you today is, no one's blown the trumpet. It's not the end of the age. There's still at least 30 minutes for you. Between now and when you got, just run to McDonald's and bless someone right now. Joking. The good news is that as long as you are alive and you know the Lord, do the deeds. And, and see, you know, some people have said when I preach this message or anything like this, well, George, are you saying that, are you saying that, that I've got to do these deeds for God to love me? No. I said, do these deeds because one day you're going to stand before Christ. I don't, want to, I don't want to hide that from you. One day you're going to stand before Christ as the bride and you're going to receive the just rewards, the righteous deeds they're called, the righteous acts. You might call them whatever you want now. I'm being kind, I'm being generous. Yeah, but do it in the Lord. I never ever want to give someone a token of appreciation like a, a, a bit of water, some food, a clothing without having the opportunity to speak to them about Jesus. Just something, just a moment. Just give me a moment with you. Ridicule me about Jesus. I don't care. Tell me you're an idiot for being a Christian. You're a bigot. You're intolerant. Great. Let me love you with the love of Jesus. Because we think we're persecuted in this nation. We're not persecuted. My family who aren't even full-on Christians in Syria are persecuted for being not Muslim. They understand persecution. As a matter of fact, it's increased their resolve to be Christians more so that a lot of them have started to read the Bible and cry out to Jesus where they would have never done that before. See, people need the bride of Christ. Our world needs the bride of Christ to do these things to bring life and life more abundant. Because when you know who you really are, when you know what you're created for, you go out with a purpose and a mission no matter what season of life you're in. I want you to understand that. No matter what job you're doing or not job you're doing, no matter how many children you have at home or no children at home, no matter how much money you have or lack thereof, all of us have got the ability to look at someone and bring the love of Christ into their life as the bride of Christ. Brides are so annoying because they will talk about their husband. And that's them talking about an earthly man. Imagine what we've got to talk about in regards to our heavenly man, our heavenly father, our heavenly bridegroom, amen? Let's close our eyes in this place. You might be in this house and you're hearing me speak about this and think to yourself, 
I may or may not know Jesus. I, I sort of believe in Him. I don't know if He's my bridegroom and I'm His bride. I don't know how I feel about all of this stuff He's saying. And But something in me is making me think I need to be doing this. I need to delve more into understanding who He is. But I want to say this to you today. You don't need to delve in any more than to believe on Him. Then just to accept Him as your bridegroom, as your Lord and your God. And you instantly become His bride. And then we start to behave like His bride. And the beauty is, we do that even He gives us the ability and the power to behave like His bride. And you might be in this house today, and we want, we want to make this invitation wherever the Word of God is spoken. If that's you in this place, and you saying, you know what, I, I, I want to accept Him as my bridegroom, as my groom, as the one who loves me, who gave His life for me. I need to open up my heart to Him. While the heads are bowed and eyes are closed in this place, if that's you, I want to pray with you. I can embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. If that's you in this house, can you please lift your hand up so I can see who I'm praying for. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Thank you up the back. Thank you. Thank you up the back. You can put them down once I've seen them. If there's anyone else that hasn't put their hand up yet, thank you. I see your hand. Us as a church are going to say this prayer together. And for those who just raised their hand, I want you to say it very specifically about you. And we're going to support you as we repeat this prayer together. Let's all repeat this, church. Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for your love, your grace, and your mercy. I ask that you forgive me of my past, that you wash me and cleanse me because of your righteousness. Thank you for loving me, making me whole today. I accept that you are my Lord, my bridegroom, and my Savior. I choose today to walk with you from this moment on in your name. Amen. Come on, let's give those ones a great big hand. Say welcome. Welcome to the greatest, to the greatest bride that has ever lived on the planet the bride of Jesus Christ. You've made a great decision today. In the seat pockets in front of you, for those who did raise their hands, uh, there are our I Have Decided cards. Please pull them out uh, as we close the service in a moment. There are little pencils in there. You can fill them out as well. And uh, just quick details, because we want to help you on this journey. You've joined the family of God, and we want to help you understand who you really are as you walk this journey. Now, if you, if you fill them out or you need help with that, or if you have filled them out and you're all good, please take them to our Yes Desk in the foyer as you make your way out. It's on the left-hand side there as you make your way out. Now, pastors and leaders will be there. They'd love to meet with you, love you, show you, welcome you into this place and to say you've made a great decision. Amen. Let's give them a great big hand again and say thank you. Great, great decision today. Great decision today. Well, why don't we stand up? We're going to go out praising God in a moment. And I want to tell the church this. Don't forget. You are His bride. Make sure you brag on Jesus the most you can. Listen, the world tells you you're intolerant and bigoted. No, my friend, you're not. You are loving, caring, truthful, and bring hope to the world around you when you speak about Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, let's go out and praise God. Thank you, guys.